Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, May 24th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. President Donald Trump opens the door to including Huawei in a trade deal with China. Facebook takes down almost as many fake accounts as it has active monthly users. And J.P. Morgan Chase drops its client Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin. Plus, the FT's Eric Platt explains how three Wall Street banks have developed a vice-like grip on advising top technology companies and why that hold might be under threat. I'm Amy Keene, and here's the news you need to start your day. Huawei is something that's very dangerous. You look at what they've done from a security standpoint, from a military standpoint, it's very dangerous. So it's possible that Huawei even would be included in some kind of a trade deal. If we made a deal, I could imagine Huawei being possibly included in some form of or some part of a trade deal. How would that look? That's U.S. President Donald Trump speaking yesterday. He was talking to reporters after announcing a $16 billion aid package for American farmers. These farmers have been hit by the escalating tariff feud with China. His comments also came as financial markets suffered another day of losses, all on concerns about the effect the trade war would have on company earnings. U.S. officials have often said the crackdown on Huawei is a national security issue, not a trade issue. They've so far taken a hardline stance against the Chinese company. Just last week, Mr. Trump put Huawei on an export blacklist. But the president has suggested it might also be a bargaining chip in final negotiations with Beijing. Yesterday, he said there remained a, quote, good possibility that the negotiations with China could get back on track. Earlier in the day, the U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue suggested the trade war with China was likely to last through the summer. The first of three installments of the financial aid for farmers is set to come in July or in August. This is the second time the U.S. president has made a multi-billion dollar move to help American farmers in just two years. Facebook continues to tackle fake accounts on the social network. The company said it took down a record $2.2 billion fake accounts in the first three months of this year. That's only slightly less than the 238 billion monthly active users of the website itself. Facebook's vice president of integrity, Guy Rosen, said in a blog post that the high number of fake accounts was owed to, quote, automated attacks by bad actors who attempt to create large volumes of accounts at one time. The social network also said that many of these were taken down within minutes of registering. That's why they weren't ultimately included in its monthly active user count. And J.P. Morgan Chase is taking the unusual step of dumping a large client. It's cutting ties with the OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma. Purdue's been accused in thousands of lawsuits of fueling the U.S. opioid crisis. Sources tell the FT that J.P. Morgan told the pharma group it was dropping its banking relationship because of the rising reputational risk. While J.P. Morgan did not lend to Purdue, it did manage its cash and bills, according to the source. Purdue is owned by the billionaire Sackler family. Chief Executive Craig Landau told the FT back in March that the company was considering bankruptcy as one option to deal with the potential liabilities from lawsuits filed by state attorneys general across the U.S. But on Thursday, spokesperson said the company had a pipeline of new medicines and, quote, significant cash reserves. And here's a story you might want to know more about. 2019 has shaped up to be one of the biggest years for tech companies joining the public stock markets. 
Uber, Lyft, and Pinterest have all made their closely watched debuts. But while some of the share prices have traded lower than analysts expected, a lot of the attention is on the bankers underwriting these IPOs. And so far, that's been dominated by just a handful of banks. That's Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan. Eric Platt covers mergers and acquisitions for the FT. He spoke with our own Mark Filipino. Uh, and then behind them, you'll have the likes of Bank of America, Citigroup, Credit Suisse, Jefferies. Morgan Stanley, Goldman, and J.P. have really come to dominate this business over the last two decades. They've invested really heavily in the tech business, You know, having people in San Francisco and Palo Alto while others have retrenched. And in doing so, they've built these really long relationships with companies like Uber and Lyft and been able to be there on the ground floor. If, if I understand correctly, this dates back all the way to the tech bubble of the 1990s. Exactly. This dominance, actually, if you look at leak tables, goes back decades, right? Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley were there when the Four Horsemen, these were the kind of boutique investment banks that were really strong underwriting tech IPOs, were kind of really associated with that market in the 1990s. And they've been there ever since. And so when you look uh, historically, you'll see that Morgan Stanley and Goldman have almost very consistently been near the top. They would see competitors come in, but really they've, they've held the grip at the top of the market ever since. Are there other banks and advisories trying to get a piece of this business, or is it just the, the main banks that you had mentioned? Yes, so it's a, re- it's a really competitive business. And as we were writing this piece and we were talking to rival banks from the Morgan and Goldman's, it was a view of like, no, this is really a four-horse race, or no, you know, we're competitive as well. But it's actually a very difficult business to you know, come out on top on. And part of that is simply because the number of tech IPOs has dwindled from the dot-com boom and bust, right? In 2000, you had more than 100 tech companies going public every year. It's about 30 or 40 now. And so when that's the case, you have kind of the top banks like Goldman and Morgan really pinpointing who they want to be following. JP Morgan, the reason they won the Lyft IPO is that they knew very early on there was going to be so much competition around Uber. Let's put all of our weight for years behind Lyft. And that gave them an edge up. And so, yeah, they, they run into the Credit Suisses, the Bammels of the world, who are trying to win business, but coming up against really tough competitors. And if I understand your your story correctly, part of this too is that they're comfortable with some of these names like Morgan Stanley and, and the like and going to a, a an investment bank that isn't as well known in the tech IPO market is viewed as a bit of a risk. Is that right? Exactly. And actually this came up a lot in our reporting where you talk to venture capitalists or you talk to the companies themselves and they'd say, you know, if we don't have Morgan Stanley or Goldman as our lead underwriter, is that saying something about us and the company that we're taking public? Is it saying that actually they didn't want to touch the IPO and that is that signaling to investors maybe they don't want to be involved in this IPO? Whether or not that's really like really the case and if investors would respond to that, who knows? But it's it's myth-like in the Valley now that you kind of have to go with one of these advisors if you want to have a successful IPO. And speaking of successful versus Less than successful IPOs, the success of Uber's IPO has been a little rocky uh, coming out of the gate. How has that affected Morgan Stanley's vice-like grip on the industry, if at all? So this is an excellent question. And there are a lot of people wondering, how does Morgan Stanley's dominance, how does Goldman's dominance maybe get tweaked or shift after Uber's stock market fall? Our reporting's found actually that there's no one's really expecting a big change yet. More of the questions have gone to, or more of the views have gone to, well, they were overpriced, but that's not necessarily their fault. Granted, that is the job of the underwriter to properly price an IPO and you don't know, have a nice, what, 5, 10, 15% pop on the first day. That's part of the, the role of being lead underwriter. 
But that said, people still really trust in Morgan Stanley, who they've got a star banker known as Michael Grimes. They really trust in Goldman Sachs with two of their lead bankers who have you know, built countless relationships in the Valley. And they think over time, Uber will actually pan out to be you know, quite a success. A lot of people are comparing it to Facebook. Facebook had a really rocky initial public offering, if you remember. The shares struggled to open, and there were a few glitches that day. And then I think they spent months, if not a year, below their IPO price. Facebook is now trading at you know, many multiples of that IPO price. And so people seem to think you know, that worked out well. Perhaps Uber and Lyft will you know, follow the same playbook. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. Today, Theresa May is expected to set up plans to step down as UK Prime Minister. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Mark Filipino and me, Amy Keene. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik, and we had editing help this week from Gavin Kalman and Michael Brunin. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 